Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, July the 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And email Fridays, we take a look at questions that people are asking us. But before I begin with the question for today, I want to remind you of something I said last week. I have 6,000 theological books that I purchased while I was at the seminary and elsewhere. They're theological books. They'd be very good for a church library. Uh, They include a number of Luther's works, 54 volumes, and they're free. They're free to any congregation that is willing to come to St. Louis, you can get a U-Haul, put them all in there and take them back to your congregation at no cost. And the only cost you'd have to pay is for the U-Haul. But why am I doing this? Well, number one, I really don't have enough room for 6,000 books. Number two, I'm right at Concordia Seminary and their library. So if I have to take a look at something, I can always go to the library there. And number three, what you would do if you got the books is you would give me a letter indicating that I gave you the books and I would take a certain amount off my income tax. So we're trying to take care of about Well, I have nine rooms that I'm renting right now with my machinery, my books, etc. And so we're trying to limit that as time goes on. If you're at all interested, email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And just give me your name and phone number, and I'll be glad to phone you. No problem at all. All right. This is going to be one of the more important email Fridays because there's a number of people, including pastors, who want to do adult instruction or teach somebody about What is this law and gospel that we're talking about? There are certain passages in the Bible that are really, really helpful in understanding what God means by the distinction between law and gospel. In fact, one of them is found in this week's lessons for the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. That's July the 10th. Normally, we would have looked at it on Monday, but that was July the 4th, so we were not on KFUO. Uh, we, did take, we did take a look at Leviticus chapter 19, but this passage that we want to look at right now is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. This is one of the best passages to help people understand 
what we mean by the distinctions between law and gospel. It begins in verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, if somebody asks you that question, and that can be understood as, how do I get to heaven? Would you answer the way Jesus did? Jesus says to him in verse 26, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And then this lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's clearly law commandments. And the lawyer answers correctly, as Jesus says in verse 28. But he says something else in 28. Jesus says to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now that statement seems to contradict many other passages in the Bible. Passages that indicate you cannot earn heaven by doing anything. Your works simply don't count. So why would Jesus say, if you do this, you will live? This is really a problem. But Jesus, although he's being tested by the lawyer, is really testing the lawyer. Because the lawyer believes what he just said that if he obeys the commandments, then he's going to heaven. Remember the Pharisee's prayer in that parable? Thank God that I'm not like a tax collector because I fast, I tithe. And the tax collector, be merciful to me, a sinful human being. Jesus says, the tax collector is justified and is on the way to heaven, whereas the Pharisee is not. So this certainly appears to be contradictions in the Bible. Who are you going to believe? Which Jesus? The Jesus that says you are not saved by your works or the Jesus that says well, if you do these commandments, you will live. How can we understand that? Well, fortunately, the text continues because the lawyer, believing himself to obey the commandments properly, in verse 29, he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, that's what the commandments say. 
that we are to love our neighbor as yourself. But when this lawyer who is Jewish asks, who is my neighbor? Who does he think is his neighbor? A fellow Jew. In fact, lawyers who are Jewish, Pharisees, and other leaders in Judaism were pretty good at taking care of hungry Jews or widows, etc. They kind of felt they were obeying God's commandments by using temple taxes, etc., to help these people out. So when he says, who is my neighbor? He fully expects to hear his fellow Jew is. And therefore, putting Jesus to the test, he can say, see, even you believe that we are saved by our works. So when the question is asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was not a safety route. There were a number of thieves who would attack individuals, especially if they were walking alone and they were Samaritans. And these Samaritans were well known as those to watch out for. Well, this man, he fell among those robbers and they beat him up, stole things from him and left him half dead. Now, Jesus continues, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, this was a priest from the Jewish religion at that time. And why did he pass by on the other side? Well, the same reason that in the next verse, so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. You see, they felt they were following the ceremonial laws that Judaism had really made up. And one of those ceremonial laws was that if you touched a person who was dead, and remember this Jew was half dead after being beaten up by the Samaritans, you weren't allowed to go into the temple until you had done some cleanliness routes. In other words, just as people who were blind, deaf, lame, mute, leprous, were not permitted into the temple proper, so also someone who touched a body that was near death or at death 
were not permitted to go into the temple. So both the Jew and the Levite pass by on the other side. They did not help, even though he was Jewish. But then Jesus continues in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion on this man who had been beat up by fellow Samaritans. What does compassion mean? It means coming from two words, with suffering. He was suffering with that man as he saw what had happened to him. This occurs particularly among Christians today when there is a mass shooting and Christians suffer with the victims of that mass shooting because they feel for them. Now, this Samaritan had such compassion. In fact, he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That was a way of relieving the pain that the man was experiencing. Then did he just leave him there? No. This Samaritan set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Now, we don't realize it, but if you know the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the inns there are owned by Jews. And in that day, uh, the way that you took care of individuals you did not like, you or your relatives would do to them what you thought they had done to your friend. So the Samaritan was, in a sense, putting his life in danger when, to, when he went to a Jewish inn to take care of a Jew, even though he was a Samaritan that was taking care of him. In fact, verse 35, And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Now, that was sufficient money to take care of the wounded individual. But then he said, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Now, why would Jesus tell this story? Why would he give an example of a Samaritan helping out a fellow Jew? Well, Jesus often taught by questions. And that's what verse 36 says. Talking to the lawyer, which of these three do you think 
proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. Now, the three he's talking about, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan. Now, it's clear that the priest and Levite did not take care of the man, even though he was Jewish. But the Samaritan did. So you would expect the lawyer to say, well, the Samaritan. But the Jews so disliked the Samaritans that they even didn't like using the word. And so what does the lawyer say when Jesus asked him, who proved to be a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer says, the one who showed him mercy. And then what does Jesus say to him? You go and do likewise. You see the point that Jesus is making? When the lawyer says that the summary of the commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself, he wasn't thinking of the Samaritans as neighbors. He was thinking of fellow Jews as neighbors. And so when Jesus asked him who was the one who really showed him to be his neighbor, well, he had to answer the Samaritan. But he did it by saying the one who showed him mercy. But then Jesus says, you go and do likewise. Here we have an important distinction between law and gospel. Obedience to the outward law doesn't save anyone. You can be someone who gives food to the hungry, housing to those who don't have a place to live, health to those who need it. But the fact of the matter is, none of those works save you because you're doing it out of your own interest. And there are rules and laws that you are following that are contrary to the Ten Commandments. Here is a perfect example of where Jesus is using the law properly. He says, yes, you answered correctly when you talked about the law. Do this and you will live. And the man was not realizing that he wasn't doing it. And that's why Jesus told him the story about the Good Samaritan. Now, a lot of people think that the point of the Good Samaritan is that we are to love our neighbor. And if we love our neighbor, then we will be saved. No, that is not the main point of this section of Luke chapter 10. The main point is really what Jesus is saying to the man who says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
Listen carefully to that question, the lawyer asked Jesus. I will emphasize what Jesus heard. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You see, that's the thinking of all unbelievers. If they have a God, how do they get to the heaven of that God? It's by what they do. This is why even a lot of Christians need to be comforted by the message of the gospel. Because what is the gospel? The gospel is not what you do. The gospel is what Jesus did. In fact, you can find a group of people asking the same question as did the lawyer at Pentecost. Peter gives them a sermon about that they killed the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And they ask, well, what can we do? How does Peter answer that question? He doesn't tell them something they do. He tells them what God does. Be baptized. That's in the passive. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the forgiveness of sins. See, all salvation originates with God and comes from God. And the way that a person is definitely saved is by believing the gospel and specifically being baptized. Now, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Many people read the Bible and come to faith in Jesus Christ. But baptism helps them because there's a promise connected there that when Jesus baptizes you, he promises that heaven is your home. And unless you fall from your baptism, which means you no longer believe in Jesus Christ, heaven will be your home regardless of your sinful life because we all sin. So this passage is best understood, I'm talking about Luke chapter 10, not as a passage that teaches who is your neighbor, although it does do that, showing that everyone is your neighbor. Paul says that in his passage where there's no distinction between Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. For all can come into the presence of God the Father through Jesus Christ without any fear because he has forgiven your sins and no longer holds you accountable. And he did that by having his son, Jesus Christ, pay for your sins on the accursed tree. So what Jesus is really talking about is not justification. You are not justified because you start loving your neighbor as yourself. Because it is impossible to do that. He's really talking about 
sanctification. And what's sanctification? Sanctification occurs after you have been justified and declared to be righteous by God himself. You then understand how far God went in being incarnated, crucified, rising from the dead, and ascending into heaven in order to give you salvation, a wonderful salvation that you did not earn, you did not merit, a salvation that was a gift which you inherited because you believe the promises of Jesus Christ. So though this is called the Good Samaritan, and a lot of people use it to show that we should love our neighbor, that's really not the point. The main point is true love of the neighbor only occurs when you have faith in Jesus Christ. Remember verse 29? The lawyer was desiring to justify himself. That's why he asked, who is my neighbor? When the Christian asks that question to God, it's not in order to justify himself, but it's in order to know what God's will is, so in thankfulness, he can follow the will of God. If you want to know the will of God, it's found in both the Old and the New Testament, and particularly the book of Proverbs by Solomon gives a lot of information from God himself as to what it means to properly obey the commandments. You don't obey the commandments in order to justify yourself. You obey the commandments because you have been justified by Jesus Christ. And in thankfulness, you give him all the credit. That's what Law and Gospel is about, and I feel this is one of the best passages in the Bible to help someone understand. Obeying the commandments is not to justify yourself. It's to thank God for being justified. We'll continue with that theme on Monday. Till then, God bless Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.